Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, folks, and welcome to another edition of the Stone and Tile Show. I am your host, Fred Houston, and today we're going to uh, talk stone science. So uh, get ready for a little bit of science here. We're going to talk about how to identify the various types of stone materials that you have out there, and then we're going to switch gears a little bit, uh, still in the science category, but talk a little bit more about chemistry, uh, and particularly chemistry when it comes to choosing the right uh, chemicals to use on stone surfaces. But before I do, a couple of quick announcements. I still have a few openings left in my stone and tile troubleshooting and inspection class coming up in June, which will be held in DeBerry, Florida. Uh, if you want to get signed up, I'd highly recommend you send me an email at fhuston at gmail.com. That's F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. Or go ahead and give me a call on my cell, which is 321 321- Five one four six eight four five. I'll go ahead and get you registered. I I only take you know up to ten students for that class, and I have room available. So I would highly recommend you get in there right now. Uh, you can also go to the website to get all the information on that particular uh, seminar. It's Stone Forensics. Dot com. That's stoneforensics.com. Also, I want to mention that my video blog uh, is doing really well. Uh, I just did number five. I did it on sounding, the proper sounding techniques. And there's an actual video on the latest one where I'm uh, actually bouncing my acoustical impact tester. Uh, on the uh, tile floor to show you the differences that, and basically how to detect you know what sounds you're listening to and what they really mean. So it's a short, less than five-minute video, so go ahead and uh, check it out. It's on my YouTube channel. Uh, if you don't know what that channel is, again, send me an email, and I'll be more than happy to send you a link uh, to all five of the video blogs. I plan on doing them. I'm going to try to do them on a weekly basis. It might be more on an every-other-week basis. It just depends on on how busy I get. Uh, in the meantime, as I go through the show today, if you have any questions uh, or comments, you can. this is the call-in number for the show, and that is 323-870-3968. That is 323-870-3968. Uh, you can also send me an email at thefhouston at gmail.com, or if you want to hop on my Facebook page, just search for Stone Forensics and send me an instant message. I'll be more than happy to answer your questions there as well, or I'll read them there as well and then uh, answer them here on, on the air. Okay, so let's get started. This is a subject that uh, I used to cover a lot in my, my basic stone restoration class. I do cover it uh, somewhat in my inspection class as well, but you know, these are some of the basics, and I know some of you might be you know experienced guys out there, but it doesn't hurt to review some of the basics. And the reason we're going to talk about geology of stone, and, and again, we're not going to look at it from a geologist standpoint. Uh, this is going to be very basic uh, in layman's term. In other words, it's going to help you identify the materials you're working with. There's more and more materials coming out nowadays that kind of don't fit into these categories or they're, they're kind of iffy in these categories. And you get into a, a lot of issues. And one issue I've had recently is that someone was sold limestone, or I'm sorry, someone thought they were buying marble and they got limestone. So now the debate comes in, 
Is it really marble? Is it really limestone? What does it mean geologically? You end up with the same thing with granites. Uh, there's a, a, min a material known as gneiss, which is spelled G-N-E-I-S-S, -S, which is often sold as a granite. And in the commercial stone industry, we classify that as a granite. But in geology, it's not a granite at all. It's actually a metamorphic uh, material that, that basically came from shale. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit more uh, detail in a second. And then you've got quartzite. You know, quartzite is also a metamorphic material. Uh, it's it's a, and we're going to describe what that is here in a second. So you know, don't don't get your pad and paper out and writing frantically right now. But uh, uh, so it's very important from the standpoint identif of identification, not necessarily the names of the material. And you know, perhaps I should talk about that first before we get into the classifications of the type of stones that we deal with in fabrication and restoration, as well as installation. That is, unfortunately, in our industry, names really are, how do I say this? There, there's no standard. There's, there's no rule where you have to name a particular stone a certain way. Now, back in the old days, uh, stones were named based on something about their color, their appearance, and then the quarry that they came from. So, for example, if we look at Bianco Carrara, uh, Bianco is white and Italian, so you had a white marble from the Carrara region of Italy, so Bianco Carrara. And the same would go for stones like Rosa Verona. That would be a red uh, marble or limestone, if you will, from Verona, Italy. And so the, the list goes on and on and on. And unfortunately, I could go to Italy. I could not even have to go there. I could order a crate of stone from Italy. I could order some white Carrera, and I could bring it here to the United States, and I could call it whatever I darn well feel like calling it. I could call it Bianco Federico if I wanted to, and there's there's no regulations out there. there there's nothing out there that really dictates what that material is. However, the only classification this is outside of geology, but from a commercial standpoint that exists, and that, that, and that is customs. Uh, customs has a you know a categories that they bring things under, and a lot of those materials are not what they they they, or they don't fit that classification. In other words, so it becomes really really confusing. I did a show uh, a while ago on the difference between super white, some of the quartzites that are being sold as quartzites, but they're really uh, marble. So we'll get into that here in a second. So. With that said, how do we classify all these stone materials? And we're talking natural stone now. We're not going to get into all the, you know, artificial materials and the man-made materials. We're talking natural stone. You know, where do they fit? And they basically fit into three general categories. And notice I call them general categories because there are subcategories of all these categories. But for our purposes as, as stone people, not geologists, we're more concerned with the three basics. Those three basics are igneous, metamorphic, <clears throat> and sedimentary stones. So let's take each one of those individually. An igneous material is formed from liquid magma. That's the stuff down deep in the earth that's that's melting. It's not the lava that comes out of out, out of the out of the volcano. It's the stuff down deep in the earth. And what happens is this hot magma begins to cool, and when it cools, it forms granite. Now. Granite can have, as, as you will know, very, very large crystals. It can have very, very small crystals. The larger crystals just indicate that this magma has cooled at a much slower rate. The smaller crystals mean it cooled very, very fast. 
So that's what your igneous materials are. Now, you'll hear people say, well, you know, black absolute granite is really not a granite per se. And geologically, that's, that's, that's true. It's not really a true granite, it's a, it's, it's, but it's still an igneous material. It's formed a little bit. It's formed by cooling, but there are different minerals that, that, actually, that actually cool. So what are some of the properties of igneous materials? And this you know, falls into whether it's a basalt like the black absolute or whether it's uh, your typical granites, and that is they're very hard. They're very scratchy because they're mainly composed of quartz. Quartz, another material, feldspar, uh, any number of other materials. Now, what gives stone in general, not just granite here, in this case it's color, is all the accessory minerals. So if you see a red granite or a brownish color granite, chances are the reason it's that color is due to iron, one of the accessory minerals in that particular material. So going back to the properties of igneous materials are granite per se, scratch resistant, Generally acid resistant, and we'll get to the exceptions in a, in a minute. And you know, you have to remember we're dealing with a natural stone, so everything I'm about to tell you during this segment, during this show, is going to have a uh, an exception to it, and we'll try to discuss those exceptions as I as I go through. Uh, so they're scratch resistant and they're acid resistant, so they make an excellent material for granite countertops uh, for walking on. They don't wear as readily. Now, we do have granites, or I should say we do have materials being sold as granite that are really not granite per se, but they're actually called nice. G, and I'll spell it again, G-N-E-I-S-S. And basically, what nice is, is it starts off as a sedimentary rock, which we haven't gotten to yet, which is, say, shale, then slowly metamorphosizes into slate, into phyllite, into schist, and eventually into gneiss. So it's basically a high, what we call a high-grade metamorphic material. But it still has a lot of properties similar to granite. However, there are times when some of these nice materials, the mineral nice materials, uh, do have calcium, uh, some metamorphic properties, which means some of them can have spots where they can etch uh, with acids, and that's where the exception comes comes into play. Okay, so that's our granite material, our, our igneous material. Second type of material is our sedimentary material, and sedimentary materials are just what I said. They're sediments. So you go to the beach, you see all that sand. If we were to take that sand and compress it a little bit into a, into a solid material where it sticks together, we would have a sedimentary material. Uh, limestones are sedimentary materials. Travertines are sedimentary, sedimentary materials. Um, what are the properties of most sedimentary materials? Well, first of all, they uh, contain, can contain calcium. They can also contain quartz. So you, you have it's kind of subcategories, if, if you will. But think of sedimentary materials as being you know, compressed together. Some of them will etch with acids if they have a calcium base. Some of them won't if they have a quartz, quartz base. Now, why we're talking sedimentary materials, uh, we talk sandstone, which is compressed sand. If we take that compressed sand and we stick it deeper and deeper in the earth with a lot more heat under a lot more pressure, what happens is those sand particles tend to tend to bind together and form what we call, guess what, quartzite. So these materials that we see out there being sold as granite and being sold as marble sometimes are actually compressed sand quartz particles, which is what our quartzites are. And what are quartzites? 
Quartzites are a metamorphic material, which we'll talk about next here in a second. Um, they usually won't etch because they're usually sand and not, not calcium, although, again, there are some rare exceptions to that as well. Uh, they're very hard because they contain quartz, and we find quartz also in granite. Our third and final category is our metamorphic materials. And what happens in metamorphosis, and if you remember high school biology, metamorphosis means to change. So in other words, when the caterpillar turns into a butterfly, that's a metamorphic process. It's changing. So how marble is formed, generally marble is formed from limestone. It becomes limestone first. And that limestone is compacted under a lot of pressure, under a lot of heat, deep in the earth, under you know millions of years, and it compresses itself. And it, if you want to think of it as melting, and you know geologically it's really not melting, but from a, a visual standpoint, it's actually melting together and recrystallizing, and forms calcium carbonate or what we call marble. Properties of marble is it's very sensitive to acid, as you well know, and it scratches very easily. So those are the three major categories. Now, how do we step back and say, okay, Fred, I'm on a job site, whether it's a countertop, whether it's a floor or a wall, and I'm trying to determine you know, what we have there. Do we have a granite? Do we have a marble? Do we have a limestone? What do we have? Well, you look at the properties that you just learned. The first thing you want to do is a simple scratch test. You could take a knife blade out. You could scratch it, see if it scratches. If it scratches, it's soft. It's most likely marble or a limestone. If it doesn't scratch, it's most likely a quartzite or a or a granite. The third, the second test, I'm sorry, is a um, an acid test. Uh, we know calcium is found in marble and in some limestones. Uh, and if you drop acid on a particular area and it fizzes and it bubbles or it etches, you have a calcium in there, which indicates that you may have a marble or a limestone. And notice how careful I am by saying may, because again, there's exceptions going back to the nice. Uh, stone, again, is that that particular material can act like granite, but can also have what we call calcium binders in it as well. So, you know, why why is this all important? You know, you may be asking yourself, so what, Fred? You're getting scientific on me. Well, it's it's important from the standpoint of fabrication because you want to know the proper tools to use, whether it's going to be a hard material, whether it's going to be hard to cut, whether it's going to tear up your blades or your router bits. And from a restoration standpoint, if you're trying to polish it, you want to know these minerals that, that are involved in these materials. Uh, so for your scratch test, and you can look this up on the Internet, and you can take my class, and we'll go through it, and you'll, you'll see it. There is something known as the Mohs Hardness Scale. The Mohs Hardness Scale goes from 1, which is soft, all the way to 10, which is hard. One being talc, which, by the way, soapstone is primarily talc, uh, very soft. You can scratch it with your fingernail, all the way to 10, which is a diamond. So your marbles generally fall in the 3 to 4 category. Your granites fall in the 6 or 7 category. And your quartzites usually fall in the 7, around the 7, seven category. And a knife blade is around a 6 so if it scratches marble, it's probably calcium. I mean, if it scratches a stone, it's probably calcium. If it doesn't, it's probably something higher than that, a 7 or an 8, uh, which can be either a quartzite or a granite. So extremely important when it comes to uh, knowing what, the, what, these materials, what these materials are. So your Mohs scale is, is kind of an interesting fact about your Mohs scale. It was developed in the 1800s by a scientist by the name of Frederick Moe. No relation. Uh, he um, basically took known minerals and 
ordered them from soft to hard. In other words, he would take a a, a piece of quartz, for example, and he'd try um, you know, scratching another mineral, say calcite, and he discovered that the quartz scratched the calcite, so the quartz was harder. So he placed these in order from 1 to 10. Now, you can go to some of the rock collecting websites where you buy rock collecting supplies, and you can buy what they call hardness pencils, which I have a different tip with a different hardness on them, which... I have, and quite honestly, have never really used them because my knife blade is all I really need in order to uh, uh, tell what we're dealing with. So that's basically your geology lesson for today. Now, you may be asking, all right, where does slate fall into? Well, slate comes from shale, which is a clay, which is a metamorphic material. We've already discussed that quartzite's a metamorphic material. What about materials like travertine? And I hate it when people call travertine a marble. It's a travertine marble. No, it's not. Travertine is a limestone. It's a sedimentary material that's formed in water. That's why you get the holes in it that you see in travertine. Onyx is another form of metamorphic material. It's actually a marble, but it's, again, deposited in either hot or cold water. That's why you get a lot of onyx with those, those particular, particular bands in there. Soapstone is kind of a rare exception. Uh, it is a metamorphic material, but instead of being composed of calcium, it's composed of talc. And what's nice about soapstone is it's, well, what's bad and what's nice, it's very soft, but it's also very stain resistant. It's very, very difficult to stain uh, soapstone. And those of you who have ever taken any science classes in, in, in high school or college, you see those black lab tables that are in the chemistry labs and biology labs. Those are basically soapstone. And why they use them is that they're resistant to staining. But, of course, you'll see all kinds of carvings or whatever. Now, what's interesting about these particular three uh, categories is that they all fall into, in geology, what we call the rock cycle. Now, we're not talking about the rolling stones. We're talking about stones rolling, but not rolling stones, which basically means, well, let me kind of take you through an example of a rock cycle. Every stone, whether it's igneous, metamorphic, or sedimentary, can become one another. So let's say we take that magma down deep in the earth, and it cools, and we end up with a granite. Well, that granite can now come to the surface. It starts breaking down into little tiny particles and depositing itself, and now it becomes a sedimentary material. That sedimentary material now can mix with other other uh, materials and become, meta, uh, under a lot of pressure, can become metamorphic. In other words, it becomes a marble. And then back again, uh, again, and again, and again. Now, of course, this doesn't happen over a short period of time. It happens over a very, very, very long period of time. So that's your rock cycle. If you want to know more about it, uh, I would highly recommend that you... Uh, you can just go to Google and type in rock cycle and you will all kinds of cool illustrations and everything when it comes to uh, uh, those those materials, uh, the rock cycle showing you that. So it, be, it becomes interesting. All right. Now, if you don't have any questions concerning ge the geology or, or basic overall and identification, and by the way, when we were talking about names, uh, I get these photos all the time in my email that says, Fred, what do you think this is? What do you think that is? And, you know, and, and probably 60% of the cases, that, that I, can, I can name that material or look at that material and tell what it is or at least what it's commercially sold as. But if I can't, there's a really good website that has, you know, tens of thousands of, of different materials on there with photographs. And it's a simple website. It's called marble.com. So if you go to marble.com, you can click on, say, granite, 
limestone, marble, or whatever, and uh, you can search the photos. You can search it by color, uh, which is really nice. So if you have a black material and you don't know what it is, you can just type in the color black, and it'll bring up all the possibilities. And then all you really have to do is sit there and match uh, those those particular materials. All right, let me give the phone number out here one more time. The call-in number here is 323 that's 323-870-3968, or as I said, you can go on my Facebook page, Stone Forensics, and uh, send me an instant message there on my messenger, or uh, you can send me an email now at fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com. All right, I'm going to switch gears a little bit, and we're going to talk a little bit about chemicals. And, you know, why we use certain chemicals and how they work and how they react on stone surfaces. And, um, you know, this I'm, I'm going to do one of these on the video blog because there's one thing I'll show you on how surfactants work, which is I, I can explain it here and I will explain it here on the show, but it'll it, it'll be more... You'll be able to understand it more if you actually visually see it, and uh, we'll explain that. But let's take a look at first pH. Everyone should be familiar with pHs if you're in the in the stone business and uh, you know you're using chemicals. You want to know what pH is, and most of you know that there's acids and there's alkalines and there's something in between called a neutral, a neutral pH. But what really is pH? All right, if we look at water, let's break water down. Water is H2O, two hydrogen ions and an oxygen ion. And they break apart into H's and OH's. So if you can imagine, uh, on the left side you've got an H with a plus sign to it, and then on the right side you've got an OH with a negative sign to it. What pH is is a measurement of those two two, two hydrogen, hydro, what they call hydroxyl ions. Okay? So the more H's you have in a solution, the more acidic the product. So on the pH scale, which goes from 1 to just below 7, the lower the number, the more acidic the property is. Now, what you might not know is if you have a pH of 6 and then you have a pH of 5, that pH of 5 is not just 1 stronger than a 6. It's actually 10 times stronger. So let's start at 6 and go down. So you've got a pH of 6. Now you make it 10 times stronger, you get 5. You make it... 100 times stronger, you get 4. You make it a 1,000 times stronger, you get a 3. So it's what we call logarithmic. So by a factor of 10, as it goes down the scale, it becomes more and more and more acidic. And we're going to explain how these, these chemicals work on stone here in a second. On the opposite side, uh, you have more of the OH uh, and less of the H. So now you have, but and instead of going down in numbers, it goes up in numbers. So let's say we start at 8. And then we go to 9, 10, 11, 12, all the way up to 14. So if we take if we take 8 and then we go to a 9, the 9 is 10 times stronger than an 8. A 10 is 100 times stronger than an 8. An 11 is 1,000 times stronger than, than an 8 and, and vice versa. So, out, so logarithmic, again, on the opposite side. So the higher number on the alkaline side, the stronger the alkalinity. Um, the lower the number on the acid side, the stronger the acid. Right in the middle is 7, which means it's not acid or it's not alkaline. It kind of balances it out. That's why you hear everyone in the stone industry recommending a neutral cleaner because a neutral cleaner isn't going to, typically it's not going not to harm anything. So 
how do these chemicals work? How do, how do the acids work? How do the alkalines work? And we'll talk about neutral cleaners as well as far as pH goes. Well, first of all, acids work by taking part of the substrate with it. So if we use an acid on granite, it's probably not going to clean very much unless there's acid-sensitive materials or acid-sensitive grime there. Uh, however, if you're cleaning marble or limestone that has calcium in it, it's going to actually attack the material. Now, those of you that have, you know, placed vinegar on on marble or limestone know it'll etch it. So what's happening is it's it's attacking the substrate around the the grime or whatever, and it's lifting it away. Alkalines, on the other hand, dissolve fats and proteins. So if you've got grease, if you've got oil, that's a fat and that's a protein. The alkaline is going to work better. So now now you know what to choose. You can either choose an acid, or you can choose an alkaline depending on the type of grime that you that you have. And in some cases. I'll, I'll hit it twice. Uh, for example, a uh, perfect example I could think of here is when we clean grout. Uh, grout could have, you know, acid-sensitive uh, materials as well as, you know, fats and proteins. So we can hit it with an acid first and then hit it with an alkaline or vice versa. Uh, so it will actually clean, clean both ways. So neutral cleaners, generally your commercial-based neutral cleaners are surfactants. And surfactant is a fancy word to put it into layman's term called soap. And it's kind of interesting how a surfactant works. And this is the, what I want to actually uh, show you in probably my next video blog. Uh, that's actually, that's what I'll do in the next video blog. Is imagine you have <clears throat> a container full of water. What happens when you mix water and you pour oil into that? Everyone knows the oil is going to flow on top of the water because the oil is afraid of the water, the water is afraid of the oil, and it separates. But you can get them to mix, and you can try this experiment. You can take a little bit of olive oil, put it in a glass, uh, try mixing it up with some water, and you'll notice it won't mix. It'll separate right away. Now take some dish soap, some, some surfactant, some detergent, and put a couple drops in there and shake it up, and all of a sudden you can get it to blend. So what's actually happening when that happens? Well, imagine you could look down deep into the soap molecule, and you can look at each individual molecule, and each one looks like, say, a lollipop. And the lollipop has a head on it, and the lollipop has that long stick on it, which is a tail. The tail, the very tip of the tail, really likes oil. But the top part, that, that round you know, candy part, really likes water. So what happens is that soap molecule goes in there, and it surrounds... The, the the oil molecule with with little tails, and then because the head hates oil but likes water, it's floating in the in the water, so it it lifts it up out of there. So that's how your that's how your um, your neutral cleaners or your surfactants surfactants work on on any surface, not just not just stone surface itself. And solvents solvents are non pH materials. In other words, they're not water based. In order to have a pH, your your chemical has to have water, has to be water-based. So one way to tell whether you're dealing with a water-based product or a solvent, when I talk about solvents, I'm talking about things like mineral spirits, acetone, naphtha, benzene, um, methylene chloride, MEK, those are all solvents or non-water-based. If you look at a safety data sheet, it won't have a pH. Under the physical properties, there's no pH. If you see a pH there, you definitely have a water-based product, so uh, keep keep that keep that in mind. That's how those materials work. So, folks, that's your uh, chemistry lesson and your geology lesson for for this show. Uh, if you have any quick questions, uh, I got a few minutes here. 
The number is 323-870-3968. And if I'm waiting for questions to come in, I'll tell you, I've got some really great shows coming up. We're going to be interviewing Mark Hyman sometime in May, who's the trainer for NTCA. Uh, We're also going to be... um, and you installers will, will like this. We're also going to be interviewing the pay, and we're going to be talking a lot about setting materials and grouts and uh, which one to use, the difference between those setting materials. So that's a show I believe we're doing May 8th. I think it's May 8th, whenever that Wednesday is, uh, we'll be doing um, the pay. So uh, stay tuned. Look at the website, uh, Stone Forensics. Uh, on Facebook, just search Stone Forensics and you'll see that in there. I, I post it uh, a couple of times a week what the upcoming show will be the following week. Uh, so again, of course, this is all archived, so you can go back and listen to any of the, well, we're almost up to 50 shows that I've done now. So uh, again, I'll uh, finish up by stating I have a few more spots left in my fabric- or my uh, stone and tile inspection uh, tr- troubleshooting seminar coming up in June in Florida here. So if you're interested, uh, send me an email, fhouston at gmail.com. Uh, also, look at the video blog. Again, send me an email at that same uh, email address, and I'll send you the link to the uh, Stone and Tile video blog, which kind of complements uh, what we're doing here. And also, I um, want to mention to uh, take a quick look uh, this coming uh, month at the Slippery Rock Gazette. I've got an interesting uh, project or project uh, that I have written in the latest Stone Detective article on a stone turning blue. So you may want to take a look at that. It's a two-part, and I'm going to reveal the answer to that in the following uh, Stone Detective. But also you'll get a preview of that here online. So until next week, I will see everybody later. Everyone have a great weekend, and um, keep safe. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.